0: The Ain't No Fang podcast from Arizona Sports. Ain't No Fang. The offense is coming around, but when it comes to pitching, what is it that the Diamondbacks are going to do with their starting rotation? I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Alex Weiner as well, covering the Diamondbacks for ArizonaSports.com. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast. There is an interesting question now, Alex, because Dre Jameson, he's been asked to do a lot of things to start the season, he didn't win a rotation spot, that went to Ryan Nelson, probably deserved it. Uh, Jamison pitches well in the bullpen role that he's given, he gets promoted to the starting rotation when Zach Davies gets injured, but now he's been sent down to the minor leagues, and currently as we sit here now on what is it, Thursday morning, Mm -hmm. the Diamondbacks have an open rotation spot And they've already kind of tested the waters with some young guys. Tommy Henry got called up. Ryan Nelson is still here. Jamison sent down. The question is, what do they do
1: and when? Yeah, the when is interesting because the off days sort of help them move along with four pitchers in the starting rotation, at least for the time being. We're, We're talking on a Thursday. They don't play. And then they get back to it over the weekend, and then they have a Monday off before they play the Rangers a couple of days, a Thursday off, and then they play the Nationals for three days. So these three off days, basically within you know a week and a half, it helps them sort of meander through it without having to bring up somebody immediately. Now, obviously, the question goes right to Brandon Fott, just because Mike Hazen has already said he is ready. He's ready and in waiting, and he's pitching well. His last few starts have been good. And so, when would they possibly see him? Well, he last pitched on Wednesday, uh, the day before we were recording this, on April 26th. He threw five innings. So, it's just a timing thing because they don't want to have to push their starting pitchers back when they already have their routines. Uh, so, having, you know, like Zach Gallon sit for six or seven days isn't ideal for them, especially with the kind of rhythm that he has. But, and then they also have to do right by Brandon Fott, who potentially. You know, they don't want to have him sit for like eight days to try to fit him in. So it's it's just going to be sort of juggling this for a couple of days, it seems like, before they find out the right spot. Last
0: night, five innings, three earned runs, five strikeouts, seven hits, two walks for Fought in Triple Uh The start before that was quite phenomenal, though, and really kind of become his calling card. Seven innings, three hits, no runs, only the one walk, and he struck out eight. That's the kind of stuff that you're expecting from this guy. I was a little surprised. You were at the press conference with Mike Hazen when uh, Madison Bumgarner was DFA'd. Mm -hmm. And the question, I don't know who asked it, but the question was basically, uh, is Brandon fought in the conversation? Is he ready to go? And like you said earlier, uh, I was a little bit surprised that Hazen came out and flat out said, yeah, he's ready to go. Like, yeah, he's, he's ready for this opportunity. I guess the reason I'm surprised by that is because when you don't call him up at that point for Bumgarner... Which is not that I expected him to, but when they didn't do that, it's weird to say, yeah, that guy's ready to go,
1: but we're not, we're not ready. You know what I mean? Like, was, that's, that's it, odd. It was logistics. Yeah. And it was, he, he had just pitched, or, you no, know, he was, he was scheduled to pitch that day. Um, and so, and because of that, they would have had to move the rotation around. They might have had to give him extra days. Again, they're trying to find a, a ideal way, and maybe there isn't an ideal way to do this, but... Um, The way that they're operating is they're trying to find the right time to bring him up to where it doesn't mess with his schedule too dramatically or mess with their schedule too dramatically. But yeah, it was between Tommy Henry and Brandon Fott. They went with Henry because it lined up perfectly with his schedule to make that start, uh, which he did on Monday, I believe, against the Royals in a win. Uh, So it just it just worked out really well for that. For Fott, it's it's only a matter of time. It, it seems like within the next couple of weeks, he's going to be the guy. Uh, unless they can push this four-man rotation down the line even further and maybe bring Dre back up eventually. But uh, it, it seems like Fott's next in line.
0: Well, and with Jameson, it doesn't feel like a, hey, we're going to send him down for one start kind of thing. It feels like they want him to go and get some sort of rhythm back to figure some things out. In AAA. I don't think you yeah. do that in one start. Maybe, maybe he goes out there and has a dominant start and they bring him back up just out of necessity. Um, but it didn't feel like a, you know, like a five day send down or I, I forget what the minimum is, 10 days, whatever it is. Um, but with Fought, I mean, right now, 3.91 ERA
1: in Reno, a 1.18. Which is, if whip, you're under four in Reno, and remember. PCL. Well, Look at Dre Jamison's ERA and look at Ryan Nelson's ERA when they came up last year. It is hard to keep the ball in the ballpark in the PCL. And so you kind of look at the other number. If you have an ERA under four, that's tremendous. Um, but then you look at the other numbers in 25 in the third innings pitched, 30 strikeouts, six walks. Yeah. I mean, yesterday you mentioned he gave up the seven hits, but 14 swings and misses yesterday. I True. mean, he... Slider, that slider is so gross. He's missing bats, and that's the most important thing when you're pitching in a league like that where any ball in the air could get just sore. So it's, I, th- I think it's all been really positive for Brandon, and I think it's just a matter of time. For Dre, um, I would tend to agree There's probably going to want a couple of starts for him. There was a little bit of frustration after his last start. You know, Tory described it as throwing and not pitching, which can kind of sound a little cliched, but he called it mad balls, where it got to a point where... You know, Dre wasn't getting the swings and misses on a slider that he wanted, and so he just started throwing at 98 miles an hour and seeing if they could swing and miss at it. And <laughs> Torrey got very like frustrated by that, and I think that ultimately led to him getting demoted for a few starts. Uh, it, they, again, they have good optionality, and now with potentially fought coming up eventually. They can see, you know, if Henry's not performing, they can replace him with Dre. If Henry is performing, if they want to give somebody else a break, they can do that. If they want to put Dre back in the bullpen, which if if you do that, I feel like he's going to be there for the rest of the season. Uh, And then you could stretch him back out for future seasons. But for this year, he'll be back in the bullpen the rest of the way if that's what they decide to do. So there's decent options there. But yeah, for now, it's who's going to be the fifth starter. And if it's Brandon Fott, when will it be?
0: Yeah, so if I'm looking at this right, you've got a three-game series in Colorado coming up, starting tomorrow, Friday. Uh, I believe that it'll be Merrill Kelly in the first game, Tommy Henry in the second, Ryan Nelson in the third. That means your opening and your rotation doesn't come until May 2nd, your first game in Texas. Does that sound right? Right, but
1: at that point, Zach Gallen will have f- full rest.
0: Okay, so Gallon might have, bump
1: up a day. Not only do they have the off day... On the Thursday, but they also have an off day on the Monday. Oh, that's right on on May first. Exactly. So, so you could that. move the entire rotation up one
0: day then. Exactly. So, so that's we why might they don't be... need a five starter yet. Okay, so we might be looking at not making this decision, or at least not making the roster move. They might make the decision soon, for another what, eight nine starts, seven starts. Then
1: yeah, exactly. That's they have crazy. That time.
0: Okay, there's plenty of time. If you had to make a prediction, do you do you have a prediction as to what they'll do? About the date? Or just... Or who? Fought. Fought. Okay.
1: So fought
0: maybe sometime around May 7th? The end of that Washington
1: series, beginning of Miami, maybe. Yeah, I, I would I would say the Miami series is the next time they're gonna act, like need a fifth starter. Interesting. So th- I think that's when you see the move. I guess we'll wait and find out. Uh,
0: another bit of information that came out this week: Jake McCarthy was sent down mm-hmm. to Triple A Reno. Something that has been done before, by the way. He was sent down several times last year. I think twice, at least twice. yeah. Twice, yeah. And both times he got better. Uh, credit to him and that's something that I think they're hoping for yet again Jake McCarthy to start the season he's played in 22 games 70 plate appearances he's hitting 143 on base only 229 in the major leagues to be honest with you it's not too different from the situation Alec Thomas is going
1: through but for some reason Jake McCarthy is the one sent down I mean realistically you can't send everybody down there is a difference and Alec Thomas is hitting the ball significantly harder than Jake McCarthy is okay Um, his at-bats have looked better uh, I think he's, I think he's getting on base a little bit more or is it about two sixty three Alec Thomas okay, is on base a, a so about more, but, 40 points higher roughly but still no Alec Thomas his sluggings higher if you look at the peripherals um, just like he's hitting the ball a lot harder it, it seems like with him it's a matter of adjustments but also a matter of time before some of these fall with McCarthy I think Tory put it as they're getting his B swing a lot not his a swing and they just want him to find a rhythm the best version of this Diamondbacks team is when they can have an outfield with all three of them out there because, I mean, we, we've seen it the past couple of days with McCarthy not out there, they are worse defensively in the outfield. I mean, Lord Gurriel, he gives him a little versatility because he can play a little first base, a little left field, but he's not a great outfielder by any stretch of the imagination. They didn't bring him in because he's a great outfielder defensively. So because of that, you want to get the best version of Jake McCarthy, and that's the version we saw towards the end of last season where it's not only speed and outfield or an outfield defense, but it's also the ability for more barrels, the ability to go to hit for some power, find the gaps. And so I think, you know, I don't think it's going to be too, too long before we see him back up. It just depends how quickly he can get into an offensive rhythm because it, it wasn't only he wasn't finding holes. I mean, he just wasn't hitting the ball hard at all and because of that he just kind of needed to reset a little bit I
0: think another part of the equation too is Paven Smith Pavin sure. Smith gets called up uh, he's had 34 at bats 41 plate appearances the guy's hitting three fifty-three. he's on base 46% of the time he's already hit two home runs he's got three doubles so five extra base hits 11 RBIs in a very limited amount of playing time Paven Smith I think is a failed experiment in the outfield that's my opinion but he's hitting like crazy right now. When something's working, don't get in the way of it. Yeah, exactly. So I think Paven Smith is certainly looking at more opportunities, and, and it opens the door a little bit for making a move like this with McCarthy. We can send McCarthy down and boost our offense by putting Paven Smith, whether it's in right field or more than likely at DH most mm-hmm. of the time, or spelling Christian Walker at first base every now and then. Those are probably not, the not spots. too often, but yeah. Not exactly. too often, yeah, because that guy's a workhorse. But. I think that's probably the best places suited for Paven Smith if he's going to be rolling like he is. Listen, I've said a lot. I've criticized Paven Smith a lot. I thought he was just kind of a gimmicky contact hitter at first base. I, I didn't <laughs> think he could play the outfield, which I still don't have a lot of confidence in. Uh, but when a guy is hitting the way that he's hitting... He's proving me wrong right now, so you have to keep rolling with him. And I think that made it a little bit easier to send a guy like McCarthy
1: down for a couple of weeks so he can figure his stuff out, and when you bring him back, you're all the better for it. I think you're spot on with that, absolutely. And then also, with them sending down McCarthy, they get to bring up Emmanuel Rivera because they lost some of that righty-lefty versatility when they put Kyle Lewis on the injured list and brought up Paven Smith, and you're like, okay, we're predominantly left-handed again. Now it's like okay, while McCarthy goes figures that out, we bring in a right-handed power bat, and so far so good. Something about coming up from Reno, I guess, is maybe that's what they're hoping for McCarthy is that the the Pavin Smith Emmanuel Rivera bump because Rivera has a couple of hits and drives in a in a, a run in his first game. He's back, hitting so. seven fifty, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I mean, exactly three for four, three for four. Uh, he had three hits in his in his first uh, three hits uh, game of the season. So well, he's played yeah. in two games. It says. Two, oh, that's right, that's right. Two games, couple four
0: ago. at-bats, three
1: hits, including uh, two RBIs in a run so far. No extra base hits yet, though. Nonetheless, it gives them more options with yeah. righty-lefty now because, you know, Jake figures it out. You bring up another right-handed bat. For the meantime, we'll see when Kyle Lewis gets back. Uh, you know, it was, it was interesting that maybe, like, I thought maybe you could go with somebody like Dominic Fletcher. But, again, it's another left-handed bat in the outfield. I feel like with Paven Smith playing as well as he has, like you mentioned, Uh, less of a need of that, just get a little bit more versatility in the lineup.
0: The one thing is that he's a primary third baseman, could probably play, what, first? A little bit, yeah. That's kind of what you have in Evan Longoria. And they're both, in my opinion, they're both bench bats, unless you're facing a lefty. But most of the time, let's say you're facing a righty. They're both bench guys who play the same positions. And it's a position where Josh Rojas, defensively, is having a renaissance so far in this season. He's been great and offensively, he started really hot. He's cooled down a bit since. He's hitting two seventy five, three eighteen on base. It's not bad. The last couple of weeks have been a, da- a downturn a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely cooled down quite a bit. But my point, I guess, is that you've got two guys on the bench who are almost identical in Longoria and Rivera. In terms of position flexibility, what they're good at, I, I do think Longoria is a step ahead. He's mm. m- much more Rivera's senior, so he's, he's the veteran on the squad, but... Um, yeah, it doesn't open the open the door for much position flexibility. I will say this: Perdomo continues to be pretty good. Uh, Perdomo, three sixty five average, four fifty on base, slugging five seventy seven. He's really one of two players. Him and Paven Smith both have OPSs over a thousand right now. That's remarkable because I think shortstop I viewed as the weakest position in the lineup to start the season. And Nick Ahmed, while on the bench, he's hitting two eighty as well. Uh, the guy hasn't walked at all, so unfortunately he's not getting on base in a good clip. But I think Perdomo's been really surprising. He started off super hot. He, at one point, was leading the entire league in war. and yeah, it for ex- like a week, yeah. It's not like we expected that <laughs> to continue the whole year, but I, I think Perdomo's been pretty good. Your evaluation of the shortstop?
1: He's been pretty good. Yeah. I, you know, not, a whole lot to, uh, not a whole lot else to add there. I mean, he's putting the ball in play a lot, and, and that's big. He's not striking out a lot. His eye, I mean, I think uh, Mike Hazen went on the air and said this on, I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, But anyway, either way, this week, that the eye wasn't always the, you know, that was always the strength that they were, you know, counting on for him when they brought him up. Because they brought him up super young in 2021 for a cup of coffee. He's the everyday starter in 2022 because of the Nick Ahmed injury. Now we're starting to see him, like, develop. Because he, again, super young when he came up. And now... He's stronger. He's starting to hit the ball a little harder. You know the babip is still really, really high. Um, He's spraying it, which is which is nice. But you know there is a chance that, obviously, there's a likely chance that he comes back down to earth a little bit just because he's not scorching the ball necessarily. But he's been a really smart hitter with what he's attacking, what he's swinging at, and what and where he's putting the ball because he is spraying the ball a little bit. And so it's it's really nice for them because again we see shortstop a little bit as a placeholder for Jordan Lawler eventually, but the way Perdomo is playing, he's going to have a role. He's always going to have a role as long as he continues to produce, not produce at this high level, but at least at a version of this and the way he's playing defensively because he's been one of the you know, top defensive infielders in the league so far this season. Yeah, I- I've been very, very impressed with him so far and the D-backs are really counting on him to like help round out this lineup. They put him like on top of the lineup, they put him in the bottom of the lineup, and he has been continuously productive so far in an area that they really needed it.
0: Lawler, by the way, had a walk-off last night.
1: I, I know. In the biggest, I think
0: I read it was the biggest comeback in Amarillo Sod Poodle's history. 11 runs.
1: 11 runs, 11 wow. runs. Yeah, walk-off. Jordan Lawler, something special. Down the right field line. Yeah, one of those where the outfielder doesn't even chase it because the is over. They might have more options at shortstop
0: than I thought. Yeah, Perdomo's kind of changing my mind on that. And again, Nick Ahmed hitting 280, but again, not really walking much. Perdomo experience at second, experienced third. True. He's got flexibility as yeah. well. Uh, I want to turn our attention to Corbin Carroll. I, I'm already convinced he's the most talented player on the Arizona Diamondbacks roster. Uh, he's certainly doing some incredible things. He's already got 10 stolen bases, so he's certainly on pace for, what, 50, 60 steals, <laughs> something like that. Uh, he's hitting three eleven on base three seventy-four. You could argue he's been their best player. He's got 28 hits, which leads the team. He's got eight doubles, which leads
1: the team, I believe. He's he, got four home runs, which leads the team. He went home to third in 10.97 seconds. Dear. The other day. Gosh. I thought he could have scored. You, you watched that double he hit into center field against Kansas City? Yeah. I thought he could have scored. Well, and the I, triple goes off the center field wall, right? Yeah. And I. It's slightly misplayed, too. You go,
0: it is. It is. But you got to understand the awareness that a young player like that, who hasn't played a lot of games at Chase Field in the grand scheme of things, to hit the ball off the bat, I felt that he knew that ball was had a chance of being misplayed because of how funky that wall is in center yeah. field. And, of course, there's the overhangs, which sometimes can mess with the ball, but this one just straight up goes off the wall. Corbin Carroll has the speed, that if he knows off the bat, this could be weird off the wall, he's thinking three, probably out of the gate.
1: Yeah. I absolutely. don't think
0: he had any thought of stopping at second base unless there was already a throw going to a cutoff.
1: I think there's very few ballparks where if he hits the ball like that, he's, he's not thinking three and then can slam on the yeah. brakes. Yeah, I think if, you're right. Uh, if need be. But yeah, I thought he could have, I thought I mean, the right decision not to because he walk Walker on deck with nobody out and he just, you know, pokes a ground ball and quick Carroll scores. But man. He can, can you
0: turn nothing into something. We've seen him turn ground balls into base hits. We've seen him turn doubles
1: into triples. We've seen him turn singles into doubles. I mean, even this again, same thing this week, that little slow ground ball to first base, a slight hesitation. And he, he beats it out because first base is not sure whether or not to toss it or to run it himself. He ends up running it himself and Carroll just beats it out for a single. I mean, it just—he he creates so much chaos just in it himself. And you know, you mentioned the stolen bases. It, there hasn't been quite as many recently, um, just because how they're playing. Four it, but, in the last two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Which again, a lot, but that's like, still not, pretty good not like the five in a week that we saw earlier in the season right but even without stolen bases he's still taking extra bases my one concern
0: he does have 21 strikeouts which also leads the team granted he's got the most played appearances by far uh well I shouldn't say that he's got four more than
1: Guriel he's got two more than Christian Walker but for the most part his k rate's been pretty low the last 10 games yeah it's, he's it's getting not better too much at a concern. Um, and plus, a lot of his strikeouts have been looking, and I think Jesse Friedman from PHNX put together like a compilation of some of the pitches he got caught looking at, and a few of them are, you know, pretty outsized. Like, I get it. every umpire has their own strike zone, but he is a very patient hitter, and sometimes protecting can be something that maybe he can work on, but um, yeah, he, he has a great eye. Sometimes, you know, that'll lead to a couple of strikeouts looking, but ultimately, I don't think that's too much of a concern.
0: And if an umpire gets a little bit too creative, uh, you can count on Tori Lovello to let him know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> from the dugout, just like, you know, oh, what's the umpire looking at? It's, it's Tori.
0: It's, yeah, you know. it's definitely Tori. I can hear you, Tori. That's my favorite line from last week. <laughs> um, I think maybe we buried the lead here. Zach Gallen is phenomenal. He's just fantastic. There's really no other way to put it. And I know that he got off to a bit of a slow start in his first two starts to the season. Yeah. And I remember I even asked you, I was like, at what point do you worry? And you were like, you don't. You just don't worry. You don't worry. And you were completely right on that. Not that I was worried, but I was like cognizant of like, this isn't the gallon we've come to know and love. The guy who had, how many innings in a row was it last year? Like 44.1. 40, 44.1 scoreless streak. And now he's off to another one. 28. 28.
1: Most pitchers don't ever do that in their career. He's done it twice. Yeah. Four straight starts without allowing a run. That's just absurd. It's 12 Ks on Wednesday. Again, a 2 nothing win against the Royals. He's the he's the, he's the league's leader in strikeouts. I mean, he's been you know if you take out that first start, I mean, he's probably been about as good as anybody else in the entire league.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at the breakdown of the
1: last couple starts. So he's going to get pitcher of the month for April. I mean, he that's, will. That's pretty much against happening.
0: Kansas City. Twelve strikeouts, no walks, no runs. He has one walk in the 28 scoreless innings. With 41 <laughs> yeah. strikeouts. Against one. San Diego, 11 strikeouts, no walks, no runs. Against Milwaukee, 11 strikeouts, one walk, no runs. There's your one walk. Miami, seven strikeouts, no walks, no runs. This guy is phenomenal when he's on. I mean, again, those first two starts are a little rough, but even with those, you add up all of his numbers. Zach Allen, 37 and two-thirds innings. He's got 51 strikeouts. He has five walks total. <laughs> five. This guy's pitching like... I. The last time I saw a ratio like that was like Cliff Lee. You remember those Cliff Lee years where he'd have like right. 190 strikeouts and he'd have like 20 walks. <laughs> You're like, how is that even possible? Yeah, like
1: Cleveland and early Philadelphia Cliff Lee. Yeah. yeah,
0: I. Where does Zach Gallen rank all time among Diamondbacks pitchers? Because I, I realize he hasn't been in the league like super super long. Right, this guy's still on his first contract. Diamondbacks are also
1: pretty young, so it's not like no, there's a ton to choose from.
0: Yeah, as a franchise climbing, 25 years old, uh, the franchise is. I mean, Randy's number one. Yeah. That's pretty much un- undisputed. Hey, Webby. Webb's got to be up there. Schilling's got to be up there. And then Granky's really probably the most comparable to Gallon. Right. Would you rank Gallon above Granky at this point? Yeah. I think so, right? As a Diamondback, I think I would. Because Granky's the better player.
1: All, all who time. played yes for because, the Diamondbacks. But, like, um, that's not really fair to Zach, though. But No. I mean,. Granky never had a Zach. season. I know. <laughs> the, Zach, the, the Zach who's currently on the team—they're both Zach. Uh, yeah, I sh- forgot. Sh- yeah, the Zach without the K. Um, I mean, uh, Granky didn't have a season quite like Gallon had last year, um, and I, I think that that makes the difference. Um, I'm trying to think of like others. I mean, maybe like a Dan Heron. Like, Dan
0: Heron might work his way into the conversation, but. So baseball Corbin reference only had
1: one like a really great one or two great seasons for them.
0: So this is by war. Randy Johnson's one. Brandon Webb is two. Kurt Schilling is three. Granke's four. Dan Heron is five. So Gallon just hasn't played enough, I guess, to work his way into the war conversation. If that's
1: how you want to rank them, but. But did Heron have a season like Allen had last year? Did Granke have a season like Allen did last year? I mean, it, it's, you know. Heron's
0: best years were 2007 through 2009. One of them was with Oakland, two of them were with Arizona. Those were his all star years. Probably his best year was when he was fifth in Cy Young voting. Okay. That was in Arizona at age 28 in 2009 when he had a whip of 1.00. Right, right,
1: right, right, right. right.
0: Uh, ERA 3.14 that year. He pitched 229 innings. He had 223 strikeouts. He's had some good years. Yeah,
1: okay. Okay, fair enough.
0: He deserves to be in the conversation. But I got to be honest with you, especially because he only played for Arizona for three years. For a total of what is this, eighty-seven starts? That's not bad, but it's only three years. Zach Gallon's probably ahead of him in my
1: mind. I think he's above Granky too. Granky, remember, Granky had that one really bad year to start. Right, as twenty sixteen wasn't, and then he leveled especially off. Especially given the money he was getting paid, was a disappointment. But well, in the year he was coming off of in LA, true, was just legendary. But he was big
0: for the twenty seventeen squad. Huge the playoffs. Huge. So. I think Gallon might be might be even better, and he's got time to improve. And he's got time to win more games.
1: He's young in his career. Granky uh, was older at the time that he came he over. He will have passed them maybe by the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I think, think he already has in my
1: mind. Um, he's that's fifth. just where I'm at. He's fifth right now in K per nine, Ks per nine. Uh, if unqualified starters go, Spencer Strider, Jacob Degrom, Nick Pitaldo, Shohei Otani, and then Zach Allen.
0: Where does he fit? 12. Okay, 12.
1: I, I know it's super 12. early, 19.
0: and we talked about he's probably the pitcher of the month for April. Is he the like, leading candidate right now
1: for the Cy Young in the National League? Um,
0: I mean, I know there's no or, official voting on
1: that, but him or Strider. Um, right now I, I would say it's either him or Strider. I think for F war, he's the league leader right now, uh, with 1.7. Yeah, he's the league leader in F war right now. So, um, that's one point for him. Strider has a 1.8 ERA this season to start off and a 1.7 fit. So, I mean, he's been pretty dang dominant. For Atlanta, but yeah, I mean, at least for the first month of the year, Zach is among the top two or three pitchers in the entire league um, so far. I think even with a not great first start,
0: I think it'll be remembered as probably Mike Hazen's most impactful move he made. Especially if you're just talking trades. Yeah, trading Jazz Chisholm, who's a good player in his own right, a very great player. I mean, he's on the cover of the baseball game video game MLB The Show. Uh, But I think you'd rather have Gallon all day. I think that it's probably the most pointed move that this front office has made. And this is the front office that got Cattell Marte as basically a throw-in trade when they were really trying to acquire Taiwan Walker. And Cattell Marte had the 2019 season where I think he was like third in MVP voting or He's something. fourth, yeah. Fourth, yeah. something like that. So, I mean, those are two really impressive moves, and Zach Allen might be the better of the two.
1: Yeah. My, my opinion. Yeah. Worth noting. Throw a little uh, love to the front office after a, a week where it's like, oh, the Bumgarner thing didn't work out. Blah, 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 and it's like, yeah, but let's look at Zach Allen trade again. I know.
0: I don't know if you and I have talked since you went to the Hayes press conference. So we, I guess we could talk about that a little bit, even
1: though it happened a,
0: over a week ago.
1: He just got released. So maybe that's officially the, the released the fresh new one. No, no one. Surprisingly, nobody claimed the. Massive amount of money. No, yeah, that was, yeah, that I, was never going to
0: happen. Somebody might pick him up for the minimum. I, I mean, the Diamondbacks gave Dials Keuchel a try last year when he. it was clear he had nothing to offer. But they yeah. were just like, eh, maybe we can recapture some of the Brent
1: Strom magic he had in, in Houston. I can imagine Bumgarner will have some sort of opportunity at some point with somebody. I, I don't know when. I don't know if it'll be this year, but we'll see. What was the vibe you got from Hazen? Because
0: watching the press conference, I felt... It was a little demoralizing. I mean, you don't want to have those press conferences. If all things were right with the world, Mike Hazen would love to be up there talking about how Madison Bumgarner is having a resurgence at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. It's just not the way that things turned out. And you don't want to have that press conference, but I think it was good that they
1: did because that's a huge moment in their franchise's trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The vibe, I guess demoralizing, maybe just a little disappointed, but also like... Ready to move on, kind of was the vibe. It was like, okay, you know what? We tried it. He didn't, he said he didn't regret trying it because at that point in time, they needed somebody who could eat innings with, they wanted somebody with that pedigree and that kind of deal. But, um, and they, you know, they thought they still had a lot to offer and they thought it was a good fit. It ended up not being a good fit. And they cut ties with still more than a year left on the contract. So f- for me, it just sort of felt like, I mean, he was pretty poignant. I mean, he was pretty like open about, the, you know, what he felt about it, what he felt then, what he's feeling now. And so, you know, that was interesting to see. But ultimately, it was like, it's okay, it's done. It's time to move on. We have better options. I think uh, one of the interesting things that Hazen talked about
0: that kind of gave me a window into his way of thinking as a general manager was when talking about the money that they're going to have to eat. I think it's like, what, 23 million this year. And I think it's like 11 million buyout or something next year like thirty four million total. But the way that he views it is it's the money that was for this season is caked into their plan already. Yeah, whatever done, they were it gonna matter. Whatever yeah. they were gonna do at the deadline they were going to have that money on the books whether Bumgarner was pitching for them or now not pitching for them. So that almost didn't impact his decision whatsoever. Now, the 11 or 14 million that's over to him. It's 14 salary next year. I don't know how the money all works out. Jeff Passen reported it was 34 total, whatever. Let's say 14 million next year that they're going to have to pay Bannison Bumgarner to not pitch for them. That's the part that he thinks about that he's like, okay, that goes against whatever it is we could be doing with that money next season. And that's an interesting way of looking at it because I think a lot of people talk about the $34 million that you're paying as opposed to the fourteen. I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, yeah, like like he said, it's already, like, part of the planning. It's like, it'll go into, like, when the next offseason starts and they plan on how much they can spend, where they want to spend it, and all that kind of stuff, that's just part of the equation and it just kind of is what it is. They can kind of... You can kind of think of it as kind of ba- counterbalanced because of how many guys they still have on, you know, their rookie contracts, um, especially like going to be in the starting rotation. Like by the end of this year is, you know, the back half of the starting rotation, Nelson Jameson fought or Henry Jameson fought or Henry Nelson, what like any combinations like, OK, you're not actually you're spending pretty below market value for three starters potentially. So at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow and it's a sunk cost, but given the construction of the rest of the roster, they still should have some flexibility. And if they think that they're close to competing, at least from everything that Hazen has said, um, they're not going to shy away from you know outside impact players. Like he said, just because Bumgarner didn't work doesn't mean we haven't gotten great contributions from players they've acquired from the outside and have paid. Um, and so, because of that, they're not going to stop doing it. Not every contract is going to be like Bumgarner or Yasmani Tomas. They're going to get good players. Um, so that was like interesting. He's, he's like kind of reassuring. It's like just because this didn't work doesn't mean we're not going to get free agents again. Which one was the worst investment, Bumgarner or Tomas? I think Tomas had the better year. He had one year one where he hit year, right? 30 homers. Yeah, uh, he just had think- zero defensive ability. I would say Bumgarner's probably the better investment just because I know he was older, but they needed an innings eater, and at least he kind of did that. I mean, 2021 and 2022, he helped. He ate innings. I mean, they weren't great. Um,
0: He was relatively
1: healthy during his
0: contract. Tomas spent most of his contract in Reno. Yeah. So maybe that's your argument, but Tomas, to your point, did have like one good relatively good season
1: yeah i did the things they paid him to do i would still say bumgarner was probably the more effective signing
0: i did also feel at the end of the tomas situation looking back the organization was keeping him in reno no matter how good he was in AAA because he was good at the end in AAA and they Couldn't just ref- the- they just refused to bring him back up there was no spot for him this was before the dh was universal So I was like, what were you gonna do with him throw him back at third base that went so well It was five years too early. Yeah, yeah, I do kind of feel that, actually. So maybe that's a thing. Hey, today is NFL Draft Day, by the way. Um, Not that we're in an NFL podcast in any sort of way, but (laughs) um, maybe I could could frame it in this context. Who were some of the greatest Diamondback draft picks of all time? The ones that come to mind for me are Paul Goldschmidt, obviously. Yeah, um, that's the best one they've ever made. That's probably the best pick ever made. In this franchise's history. Recently, they've had some really good ones. Corbin Carroll was taken in the first round in 2019. Correct. Yeah. Um, That's certainly starting to pay dividends. The last couple of years, they've got some great prospects. Drew Jones, the son of Andrew Jones. He's low minors. Jordan Lawler, we mentioned, shortstop. Sixth sixth overall pick. He was pretty good. Bryce Jarvis, who just got promoted to AAA this week, um, and has been pitching well in Double A, So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, Before Corbin Carroll, I think Matt McClain, that one stinks, in my opinion. That was a really bad one. Uh, Paven Smith was the first first
1: round pick of Mike Hazen's regime, right? And it's starting to pay off in, in a small sample size. He's impacting winning, yeah, he is impacting winning. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I mean, you just look, look at the last like five or not five, the last like f- three to four draft classes that they've had. I mean, a lot of these guys have produced at the minor league level and are ready, like almost ready to go. A lot of them have already come up, which Brandon Fott was a uh. He was a what third round pick? Yeah, I was only pick. mentioning first rounders. There's plenty of guys. Fifth that... round pick. He was a 2020 fifth round pick. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, Dre Jamison draft pick. Blake Ryan Nelson draft pick. Blake Walston was a draft pick. Dominic Fletcher was a high draft pick, and he's been pretty. He's, he's been been really doing good. pretty well in AAA. He's on the 40 man. He he, he, he could be the he next could be guy up if somebody gets hurt. Um, you know, I'll throw yeah. a random one out there, and, and this is controversial. Dansby Swanson, good pick. They picked Very him good first pick. overall. The evaluation because, clearly was right. Just it's just that they traded him. Just because the trade didn't work out really in any way, shape, or form for them. It uh, doesn't mean it was a bad draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. Trevor Bauer? I guess. He won a Cy
0: Young. He was True. quite good in Cleveland after... The, I mean, listen, it, it, he and the Diamondbacks did not get along whatsoever, and that's why he ran himself out of town pretty quickly. But, And clearly his frustrations boiled over into Cleveland. It's part of the reason he ends up in Cincinnati. He wins a Cy Young. He ends up in L.A. We know what happens from there.
1: It, it didn't work for the Diamondbacks, so I'll, I'll say that's the caveat there. Um, I mean, Justin Upton. Justin Upton,
0: uh, certainly a great player for a long time. His best years were the six years in Arizona. Steven Drew? Serviceable shortstop at the major league level. Max Scherzer, some power. Some power. Max Scherzer was a good draft pick. Wait, that's was, a phenomenal they, draft pick. That's right. They, they just gave draft. up on him too soon. Yeah. They picked well, what him was that trade? number eleven out of Missouri. Um, that would number have 11 been. He made his debut in two thousand eight. They made the three team oh, trade yeah, in two thousand nine. Was that the Granderson trade? trade? It was
1: the Granderson trade in Kennedy? Austin Edwin Jackson? Jackson. Yeah. Was Little Austin Coke Jackson in that? And Edwin Jackson, both Jacksons, both Jacksons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Connor
0: Jackson was a D backs draft pick. Uh, that that one's pretty controversial, I would say. Not great. Yeah, those are some some interesting ones. And I just I was listing off first round picks, but y- you know you look deeper into the drafts, there are some guys that you'll find that are pretty interesting. Um, let's go through the uh, schedule for this week. Three game series in Colorado starts Friday. Um, we are expecting Merrill Kelly to be going in that first game. Um, Listen, Colorado. I think I read is dead last in ERA in Major League Baseball. I've been saying What's this, on, yeah, I've been saying <laughs> this on the podcast for years. Colorado will never win anything because they don't believe in pitching.
1: They just don't. They clearly don't believe in it. It's it's also really hard to get pitching um, to go there, just because they have to overpay for starting pitchers. Yeah. People don't want their ERAs to skyrocket because they're pitching in a hitter friendly environment, and so it's. Um, it's tough. It's, it's it's difficult to build a, uh, to build out a rotation. But you're right. I mean, it just it hasn't whatever they've been doing the past forever hasn't worked. Well, Kyle Freeland,
0: who I think they're going to see tomorrow against Merrill Kelly. They are. He had a pretty good start to this season. And I remember on my fantasy baseball team, I remember seeing him as like the top available pitcher. And I just refused to touch Colorado pitchers. <laughs> I just refuse because a philosophically, they've never been good at it. And B, because of the ballpark. And the elevation, and it's never, the only Colorado pitcher that I've ever been willing to touch in fantasy baseball is Ubaldo Jimenez, because he was next level.
1: Yeah. And so. They are fifth fifth highest right now in Team ERA. Fifth highest right now. Okay. I mean. Not good. That's going hi- to keep you at the bottom of the NL West. The highest is Oakland by a mile and a half. Oakland might be the worst baseball team I've ever seen. Do you want to guess what their team ERA is right now? Seven, five? Seven, nine, seven. Seven, nine, geez, worse than I thought.
0: Yeah. They might be the worst team I've ever seen. I read an article yesterday. It was Jim Bowden, who I love, at The Athletic, former GM, writing about what to believe and what not to believe so far, right? Like, oh, this guy's power is legit. This guy's speed is legit. Uh, He wrote that the Oakland A's 2023 team might be the worst baseball team in baseball history. They're on pace for like 20-something. No, 40. I think like 40-ish wins or something like that. A two o eight winning percentage, I think they have so far, something like that. Wow,
1: yeah, um, it's horrendous. Uh, anyway, it's, it's just it doesn't look like a major league. Yeah, it's, no, you're right? Um, it's not. And like two hundred winning percentage. Yeah, they don't
0: even have anybody that's worth trading during the regular season. I mean, at least they Brent
1: have, Rooker's been okay. I guess they're starting to bring up some younger guys that have some promise. So I, I mean, maybe it'll get better as they got a thin farms. gets more at bats or. Yeah, um, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll it's see. slim Pickens in Oakland, but, but they're moving to Las Vegas anyway. So. The relevance there is that we mentioned talking about the schedule. Yeah. Diamondbacks go to Oakland on May 15th. Yeah, that is coming series, up in so a couple of weeks. Coming up,
0: yeah. That's true. You're really hoping for three wins there. One of them's on ESPN Plus. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so we talked about Colorado for the next three days. The end of that road trip is Texas against the Rangers. They're going to get, in theory... Uh, John Gray and Andrew Heaney both who have their moments
1: so a lot of lefties coming up because they also get Austin Gomber in true the Rocky series again back to like bringing up Emmanuel Rivera and both I've had a playing uh, I think they're gonna Yarbrough, get Mackenzie Gore in
0: so. Washington too I think yeah they're gonna get Gore in Washington he's been pretty good as well so Washington is the three game home uh, series to start that home stand before they get Miami and then four games against San Francisco this is the lighter period of the schedule so the Diamondbacks need to be taking advantage of it because where do they sit currently in the standings do you remember
1: yeah so they're currently they they're first again they're half a game up on the Dodgers um so the Diamondbacks are 14 and 12 The Dodgers are 13 and 12. uh Dodgers are playing Pittsburgh who's been uh, hot yeah Thursday Pittsburgh's right, been good we're recording this they're
0: in so. first place they're 17 and eight
1: legitimately good like, like they're scoring a lot. Um, Andrew McCutcheon looks like the Andrew McCutcheon of old. Which is so much fun to see. Uh, some really good is. stories.
0: He's like 36. Yeah. He's hitting really well. Jack Sawinski has been really good for that team. Uh, Ji Hwan Bay has been really good. I'm probably leaving out a bunch of other guys who deserve to be mentioned, but I don't watch a lot of Pirates games. <laughs> but they've been fantastic so far. Yeah. Got to give them a lot of credit. They're 8 and 2 in their last 10, so there's yeah. something to it. All right, I think most interesting for us to see over the next couple of games is what do the Diamondbacks decide to do with their starting rotation? Something we discussed a little bit earlier, something that we'll have to wait and see. All right, for Alex Weiner, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at Arizonasports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.